I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. In October last year, Facebook did something that created headlines around the world. At the company previously known as Facebook's Connect Conference tonight, the presentation began with a joyful vision of the future. Enabled, of course, by a big idea from the chief exec. Today, we're going to talk about the metaverse. This is a big day for Facebook as a company with a complete rebrand. CEO Mark Zuckerberg announcing today the company's new corporate name will be Meta. Ever since that rebrand, the metaverse has been in the peripheral vision of marketing and communications professionals. A lot's been written about it, and this has all tended to fall into one of two camps. On the one hand, there are those who believe that the metaverse will completely revolutionise the way we socialise, work and shop. And on the other, there are those who think it's largely bullshit, hyped by gamers and geeks. Now, the former point to the latter's scepticism as being a result of a lack of understanding of what the metaverse is and of the technology that enables it. And this hasn't been helped by the fact that a single, clear and concise definition doesn't appear to exist. The internet of the future doesn't really say a lot. Immersive technology doesn't explain the use cases and benefits. And scaled network is nothing more than technological jargon to most people. Given this, it's no wonder that a belief has grown that the metaverse is just a fad, or that it's something that only gamers will enjoy or benefit from, or that if you're older than about 16, you might as well ignore it. But just last week, McKinsey released a prediction that metaverse spending could total $5 trillion in 2030, with e-commerce making up more than two-thirds of that. An accompanying study said that 79% of respondents in a survey said they'd already spent Metaverse money, with one-third of those saying they purchased real-world items offered through virtual platforms. Overall, the Metaverse is confusing, especially when it comes to how or even whether brands should get involved. At the current time, and despite that 79% of people having spent money in the Metaverse stat, of which, by the way, I'm hugely sceptical, hype is high, but actual users are low. Today on the show, I'm going to seek to clear up some of that confusion. I'm going to try and help you understand the Metaverse and what its potential is, but I'm also going to address a lot of the, quite frankly, bollocks that is written about it. But let's start with some of the basics. What is the metaverse? The metaverse is really joining up a lot of different things. It's it's one big concept to do with almost linking reality with the virtual world, but the virtual world being the sum of lots of different things. So it could be different games that we have within which there, there might be their own virtual economies and it's that interplay across all of these things that for me is what makes up this idea of the metaverse. Holly Atkinson is a blockchain developer primarily for a virtual world called the Sandbox. 
She's been working in and around the metaverse for about three years on product and coding projects involving virtual worlds, games and protocols. The Sandbox is it's a virtual world within which players, users can build experiences that might be games, but they might also be social occasions. They might be get-togethers where people meet a bit like it you would in a Zoom meeting, but instead of just being a sound, you, you know, you're represented by a moving image and a virtual avatar, if you like. Instead of a social experience, it might be an event. You might be joining a concert in the metaverse. And we've seen recently in the news that this is exactly the sort of thing that Meta is now going to do with the Foo Fighters. You know, lots of different companies, different brands, different groups are flooding the metaverse because we now have this technology that enables new kinds of experiences. The metaverse isn't just one thing or perhaps more accurately, shouldn't be thought of as just one thing. It could, for example, be doing your shopping in a virtual world wearing a headset, rather than the more one-dimensional experience of online shopping as it currently exists. For me, it's really exciting because there are no real hard limits as to what that metaverse can, can look like. Back in February, Manchester City Football Club signed a three-year deal with Sony to build a virtual version of the Etihad Stadium in the metaverse. The vision is that the club could fill a virtual stadium several times over for each game, allowing supporters to watch a game live from any seat they wish. Now, I was at the Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal game in May, and I can categorically say that no virtual experience could ever replicate the atmosphere of a live event the noise, the smells and the feelings. But is that where we're going with this? Replicating real-world experiences in virtual reality? It's slightly more nuanced than just replicating what we already have. I think I think that is certainly a huge part of it. And I would add that what we're seeing is a lot of companies, a lot of brands, they they are looking at how they can use the metaverse to do exactly that, to generate new new revenue streams. And I think, you know, we've obviously had COVID, so this has actually put put this in a new light where we actually need to create new kinds of experiences. Because, you know, travel's being limited and, you know, we have these other constraints now that maybe we didn't have to think about so much before. So for me, it's about really what do we want to replicate in there and what's the demand for that? But also what are these new kinds of experiences that can really add value to people's lives? So new revenue stream is certainly something that I've I've been seeing a lot of brands looking to, but for me, there's this this idea that the metaverse can really be used for as a public good in many ways. It can be used to create a safe space for people to meet, to interact, particularly where maybe they haven't been able to see their family, see their friends. It can also really help in many ways as well. So for me, it's about it's about the existing, but also what can we where can we take that? As you would probably expect from someone who is working inside the metaverse, Holly sees opportunity. But not everyone is quite so positive. 
I'm James Watley. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at a gaming native creative agency called Diva. Normally, when I'm giving a presentation on this topic, the first slide that I show simply says the metaverse does not exist. So I would describe it as marketing hype. I would describe it as a shorthand catch-all term for a nebulous destination that was not really that defined, but in the short term is just trying to cover off everything we're currently doing in video games. And if you're touching AR, VR, digital integration, physical integration, or just what we would normally call digital activation, suddenly it's now metaversal. James lays the blame of our obsession with the metaverse firmly at the feet of Mark Zuckerberg. Looking at Google Trends, searches for the metaverse only took off at the time of the Facebook rebrand. Is your opinion that what we are calling the metaverse is gaming-led? And I know you're from the gaming industry now, but do you feel that is it's more gaming-led than event or experience-led at the moment? That's a really good question, and it's something I've reflected on quite a lot recently. I've gone back to kind of the original reasons of why I got into um, digital and social media, God knows how many years ago now, and looking at the theory behind it all and the reason for people to be there. Now, historically, if you look at video games, you could describe playing, doing raids on World of Warcraft as today, if that came out today, like, oh, it's the metaverse. It's just a video game. Now, if you go back to Travis Scott appearing in Fortnite, suddenly you're in a video game but you're not doing any gaming. You're in a video game platform and you're experiencing entertainment. That's the f- not the first time by any stretch because Second Life did it first and did it very well. But it was the first time of modern times when that has happened. And people don't really know how to describe that because you're going into a game to experience entertainment versus to going into a game and playing a game. I think... to get closer to what people are calling the metaverse at the moment, Travis Scott is a good place to start. Going into a video games platform and doing something other than a video game, that feels like a metaversal activity, but I wouldn't call it the metaverse. In order to fully experience and immerse yourself in the metaverse at the current time, a VR headset such as the Oculus is required. But Holly is keen to point out that it's not limited to this. You can play around with different virtual worlds through your through your internet browser. You could jump into Decentraland. You can check out the Sandbox Alpha. There's a place called Somnium Space where you can see as well that it's it's another kind of virtual space that has another kind of interactive setting if you like and there are a number of these virtual worlds and if you google it I think you'll see that the list is actually far longer than just those those few that I've highlighted and and it's getting longer all the time so so there are many ways to jump into the metaverse you can jump into something just like you would normally go on the internet jump into a a space like Decentraland and it 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 might appear like any other kind of online game, except you have blockchain behind the scenes. So it's providing a true ledger of your your actions, your movements, and it's providing real interconnectivity, which for me, that's going to help with this concept of the metaverse over the long term, where you have one 
blockchain, one underlying Ethereum blockchain that is ultimately able to be utilized by many different things. So Decentraland is just one of those. Apple has also announced new AR glasses in the last week that are meant to eventually replace the iPhone with a release date of late 2024. Holly believes such glasses will tie in with the metaverse concept and different software will overlap the real world to provide a new kind of view of everyday life. But with that in mind, there's been one main point that I've had real questions over in the last few months. Do people, beyond gamers that is, really need or want the metaverse? Do we have the desire for VR headsets and AR glasses and blockchain technology? This ties back to one of the the broader negatives about the whole thing, which is around accessibility. Before you start getting into ableism and disabilism, it you know there's also the economic accessibility. You're going to need a few hundred quid's worth of kit minimum to access this kind of stuff. And people just aren't doing that. We're about to head into a cost of living crisis. We're in a cost of living crisis. And trying to tell people that you need to spend £200 on a VR headset this year if you want to experience the metaverse, it's just not going to happen. It comes back to the reason for being in there. Do people want this? No. But nobody wanted augmented reality until they shoved a Pokemon in front of it. So it's kind of, what's the reason that's going to take me there? And there's a big hangover from the pandemic of people, oh, people are home, people are going to interact online. But no one seemed to have gone, yeah, we all hated being on Zoom calls eight hours a day during the pandemic. And that was a screen that was two foot away from our face. But now you want to screen six inches away from your face and you want to do that all of the time because going there to talk to your friends is going to be better than what? Real life? Talking on the telephone? Unless there's a reason for being there, then... I can't see the reason for it to be bought or experienced by any consumer. There are clearly two very different perspectives on this whole area. Holly's vision is somewhat tempered by James's pragmatism. But that's largely because we're discussing an emerging technology. And whenever that's the case, there are advocates and there are sceptics. But this podcast is primarily concerned with digital communications. So should brands be considering activations in the metaverse at the current time? Or are we just too early? Is it still too niche? Decentraland daily active users is 978. Second Life's daily active users was 200,000. So I like to feel like I'm pragmatic and I'm trying, yes, I'm fighting the good fight for video games and getting people to talk about it because I think there's loads of great stuff that can be built in Roblox, that can be built in Fortnite, that can be built in Minecraft and so on, but let's call things what they are. It's a good video game activation. It's a good brand platform activation, yada, yada, yada. Where I begin to get cross is where I read articles in the trade press and sometimes um, in the nationals that say something along the lines of, here are 10 reasons why SMEs should get involved with the metaverse. And I'm like, do you, that person has no idea what a financial year looks like for that small to medium enterprise. And I would go in and spend a day with that small to medium enterprise and work on their CRM program and making sure that they're getting the, the biggest bang for their buck out of their paid social. The amount of stuff that's already part of your digital ecosystem that probably isn't performing to its best is where you should be focusing. Just because Nike did something cool in Roblox doesn't mean you currently shift all of your marketing budget and go quick, quick, we need to do something. And I find that I find that frustrating. 
And what, what really infuriates me is the Facebook connection. Because if you go back, what, 10 years now, I think, since Facebook started their pivot to video, and all of the stuff that happened around that, people lost jobs, people invested. It turns out that the, the number of views was over-exaggerated by 900% on video. And everyone just seems to have forgotten that maybe they can't trust what they're being told by the platforms. Maybe they should just focus on what their consumers are looking for and what their consumer needs are. And you might get a bit closer to what your digital marketing activation might look like. And I bet you a pound to a penny, it won't be doing something in the metaverse. So that's that then, right? Ignore the metaverse and go back to what you were doing before you started listening to this podcast. Well, yes and no. Holly is the first to admit that metaverse is a buzzword just like NFTs and blockchain. But she also points out technologies such as virtual notepads that she says will enable us to make our physical day run seamlessly with our virtual day in the near future. We're going to see those play together a lot more, I think, in this concept of the metaverse. And when I say near future, what do I mean by that? One year? Five years? Ten years? In the press in the past week or so, the the e- European Commission has, has made it law that by 2024, USB-Cs has to be the charger format for all phones in Europe. We've had mobile phones for, what, 35 years, coming up to 40 years? And you want to tell me that we're going to have a space where the interoperability of multiple metaverses is just going to work when it took the European Commission to write a law to insist that we have the same phone chargers. The fact at the moment is that there are no open standards for the metaverse yet. There's no architecture upon which all of these different virtual worlds can sit. And perhaps more to the point, there's nothing at all out there at the moment which is addressing that, as it's a bit of a land grab to create a world. So when are we really looking at mainstream adoption of the metaverse? I love that question. I think it's it's obviously very difficult to answer, but for me, it's it's when it becomes seamless and easy, right? So when there's a product, you know, that isn't a, a heavy headset, if you know, if I'm looking at my laptop and I can just stick some glasses on and it plays seamlessly with my existing reality, that for me is a value add potentially. And it's these sorts of products that are going to ultimately change the way that we feel about interacting with this this new metaverse concept that we're seeing, because it it's going to integrate in a way that just becomes second nature. So I'm guessing in the next kind of five years, I mean, we're certainly going to see prototypes ahead of that. But the real integration needs to get to that seamless part of your day-to-day place for it to become a part of the norm. Taking all of this into account, where do we as marketers go from here? What do we need to do about the metaverse? Right now, nothing is the answer. However, the advice is always to read up on it and be really across it and understand this thing so that when your chief strategy officer or your chief marketing officer or your your CEO pulls you to one side and says, excuse me, what's our metaverse strategy? You can say, actually, our strategy is to watch and wait, or our strategy is to not call it the metaverse. Being an expert on it is okay. 
understanding the space is okay. I don't think there are any real implications for doing anything meaningfully. It's only like the standard massive brands that are doing stuff in there at the moment. And the brands that fit naturally, you know, it's entertainment brands, um, your Nikes and so on, you know, the usual suspects. So great, learn from it. But there'll be no return on investment doing anything right now. Absolutely not. That's in the short term. In the mid to long term, same thing, like keep an eye on it. And if suddenly we hit a turning point where everyone's like, oh, my God, there's one space where we could all go. You know, it's like the TikTok of metaverses or online spaces and Roblox and Fortnite are building towards it. And I've actually, you know, from a personal perspective, I'm most excited about what Epic and Lego have just started to build. And when that arrives, that's going to be very exciting. But these are just separate online virtual worlds that should be accessible from any technology. Roblox isn't available on PlayStation. Decentraland, you can't access from your mobile phone. Fortnite, you can access from any screen for free, pretty much. So to me, those are the things I would keep an eye on. And even then, what's the return on investment? Is it purely PR value? Okay, well, how much are you going to spend for that PR value? Do you want to invest in building a community? Great. How did your last second life activation work out for you? Just be pragmatic about what it's delivering against the bottom line. Going back to the start of this show, I said I was going to try and clear up some of the confusion around the metaverse. Now, that's not an easy task, but having read numerous articles about this topic over the last few months and spoken to several people who know a hell of a lot more about it than I do, I tend to agree with James's keep a watching brief advice. I, for one, am going to continue to learn about the metaverse, if for no other reason than to be able to answer the questions I'm inevitably going to be asked with some degree of confidence and authority. I guess what I'm saying to you is, don't be the person who has no idea when your boss or your clients come knocking. As Holly points out, people felt this way about the internet in the early days. We will obviously see some people really love it. We're going to see some people be very resistant and not want to use these products. But that's the way with all tech, right? And I, I think for me, the metaverse is... For sure, it's a buzzword at the moment. I think that's going to settle. And the metaverse is just going to be like this extended concept of the internet. You know, the internet, a lot of people were sceptical of that. And look where we're at, you know. With that watching brief in mind, if you found this show interesting and want to learn more about what we can expect in the next couple of years, Holly will be answering questions at this year's Digital Download Live. It's taking place in September and also covers topics including NFTs, TikTok, digital advertising and Google Analytics 4. Details and tickets are available at ddl22.com. That's ddl22.com. A massive thank you to Holly and James for helping with today's show. Find them both on Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>